invite you to grab your Bibles. I hope you brought one today. Um, turn to turn to Numbers, Numbers 22. We've been going through our Bible in a year storyline. We've been doing it for about three months. Started um, after Easter, mid April. Now we're mid July, three months into it. And so far, we've talked about Genesis and Exodus, and that's it. Um, we need to start picking up the pace, and we are doing that today. We're looking at numbers. We're, we just skipped through the book of, of Leviticus. How about that? Did you all a, a favor? No, Leviticus is, um, there's really some, some good content in Leviticus. Um, but we uh, we have to kind of get on with our Bible storyline. So we're in, in Numbers. Um, it is uh, one of the sometimes forgotten books of the Old Testament. Why is that book in our, in our Bible? Well, uh, God asked Moses to conduct a census of the Israelite men. Count the men. And so the book of Numbers gives a quantitative look at that, the Israelite nation, but and so there's lots of numbers in the book of Numbers, but um, there's also a qualitative description, not just quantitative, but qualitative description of the Israelites. And qualitatively, in the book of Numbers, it's there's there's kind of a disappointing picture of the the faith of the Israelites. Um if you read the 10 chapters prior to where we are looking today at Numbers 22, you'll see about 10 stories of just of um, rebellion of the Israelites against God or them complaining or grumbling against God or turning away, turning against Moses and, and Aaron, God's chosen leaders for the, the Israelites. Um, so qualitatively, there is rebellion, there is a lack of faith demonstrated by the Israelites. And um, and the Israelites, as we read the story, they're camped out not far from the Promised Land. They're across the Jordan River, across from Jericho. They can see the Promised Land, but there's this question. Will God be faithful to this promise of the Promised Land because of the unfaithfulness demonstrated by the Israelites, as recorded in the book of Numbers. Um, so that's a, that's a big question. And, and maybe you've wondered about a similar question today. Like, have, have I kind of disqualified myself from some of God's promises um, because of me not showing faithfulness to God, not, not really believing God or or trusting him fully is is God maybe going to pull back a little bit on some of his blessings that um, he has promised to us that's a question you may be wrestling with every once in a while and I want to go through as we look through this Bible story I want to point to three reasons that we can believe in the blessings of God so I want to pick up in verse four of um, numbers twenty two starting about halfway down in that verse. You're going to hear about the king of Moab because as the Israelites are camped on the Jordan River, looking over to see Jericho and the promised land to the west, they are in the land of, of Moab. And so 
Uh, the people of Moab are, are around, and there's a king of Moab. His name is Balak. So let's look halfway down verse 4. Um, one other thing to keep in mind is the, the Israelites, there's not like a thousand of them. There's thousands. There's, there's tens. There's hundreds of thousands of Israelites. Um, that are gathered together. So it's a swarm. It's, it's a massive number. And that is um, a source of uh, worry for the people of Moab and the king. So here we are, picking up on verse 4. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at that time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Beor, who was at Pethor near the Euphrates River, in his native land. So Balaam, you can locate him somewhere in ancient Mesopotamia along the Euphrates River. And Balak said, the king said, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land for I know Balak, that whoever you bless is blessed, and whoever you curse is cursed. The elders of Moab and Midian left, taking with them the fee for divination. When they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said. Well, spend the night here, Balaam said to them, and I will report back to you with the answer the Lord gives me. So the Moabite official stayed with him. God came to Balaam and asked, Who are these men with you? As as we've said before in the Bible, when God asks a question, it is not for God's benefit. It is for the person that he is speaking to, that person's benefit. God already knows the answer, but he wants Balaam to really pay attention to the answer that Balaam would be providing to God. God came to Balaam, asked, Who are these men with you? Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, as he sent me this message, a people that has come out of Egypt, covers the face of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. Perhaps then I will be able to fight them and drive them away. God said to Balaam, Do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. Now, this is a fascinating story for several reasons. And, and, and one reason is I think Balaam himself is kind of a mysterious figure in, in this story. Um, you know, if you were to think of the who's who of the Bible, Balaam might not be in the what, top 20, 30 individuals but what's interesting is we see Balaam referred to throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament as well. Like three times in the New Testament, there's a reference to Balaam, son of Beor. Um, so this story was very important to the Israelite people in the early church, apparently. Think through why that is today. Uh, but Balaam is, is kind of a mysterious figure. He's, he's this famous uh, sorcerer known for being able to put his blessing or put a curse on people and, and actually stuff happening in that regard. Um, maybe practicing some kind of black magic. Verse 6 says that he's known 
be the source of blessings and curses. Now, when we hear that verse 6, we uh, were invited to know that there's going to be a rumble. <laughs> um, there's going to be a contest between God and Balaam. Think about what God tells Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. We looked at this a few months ago. God tells Abraham, I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. Same language there that was spoken of Balaam. Balaam is known for being able to bless and curse. God says, I'm the one who can bless and curse. So we know that there's going to be a rumble between um, Balaam and God in the story. Another fascinating thing in the story is God's response to Balaam. Uh, you know, Balaam, uh, God tells Balaam, you must not put a curse on these people because they're blessed. And, and we might wonder, why does God really care what Balaam does? Um, we could imagine God might have told Balaam, Balaam, you can do whatever you want to. You can bless him, you can curse him. I don't really care because I'm blessing the Israelites. But God doesn't take that approach with Balaam. He, it's like he's taking them seriously. Don't bless them. I mean, don't curse them, Balaam. Um, and, and the way the story reads, you might think that God is giving Balaam a little undue credit, like if Balaam actually uttered a curse that the Israelites would be cursed. And that's not what, what, what is going on. Uh, God was not kind of saving the day by keeping Balaam from cursing the Israelites. He was just using Balaam. One of the points of the story is that God uses those, even those who are against the purposes of God, to carry out God's purposes. Now, a few weeks ago, we looked at the story of God rescuing the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. And we saw someone else who was opposed to the purposes of God, who God used to bring about his purposes. Remember who that was? Pharaoh in Egypt. Pharaoh wanted to enslave the Israelites. God said, okay, well, I will use you to bring about my good purposes of rescuing the Israelites. You might think of the story of Job, where Satan opposes the purposes of God. Satan wants to ruin Job. God says, okay, you know what? Satan, I'm going to use you to bring about my good purposes for Job. So God is identifying, he's revealing of himself in the story. I am the one who will use anyone, even those who are opposed against me, to bring about my good purposes. God used Balaam to be a part of the storing of God's blessings. So Balaam listened to God, and he refused to go with King Balak. Now, you might think that that would be the end of the story. Balak would be, oh, okay, well, I'll just you know find someone else. But Balak was rather undaunted, and he upped the ante a little bit with Balaam. He offers more money. He sent even more distinguished servants to, to bring even more money to Balaam. Promised a greater reward if Balaam would curse the Israelites. Come with us, they said. Please curse these people. This time, Balaam's response was a little bit different. So do we have, do we have, yeah, here we go. Look at uh, Numbers 22, 18 through 19. But Balaam answered the servants of Balak, 
Even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything, great or small, to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. That sounds pretty legitimate right there. But then look at verse 19. Now, spend the night here so that I could find out what else the Lord will tell me. I'm going to give you a little translation for that. God did tell me not to go and curse, but now that you're waving this blank check in front of me, now that you're up in the ante, the pay for a sorcerer, well, let me see if God is going to tell me something different this time. And God said, okay, go. Now, this doesn't mean that God changed his mind. It means that he is allowing Balaam to follow down this path of foolishness a bit. Balaam already has heard the prohibition from God. He he keeps pushing it. And God says, okay, go ahead. If you want to try things your own way, go ahead. Let's see how that works for you, Balaam. And then God sends an angel to oppose Balaam. Balaam's riding on his donkey. And this is perhaps the the most well-known portion of the story where Balaam is riding his donkey to uh, join up with King Balak. Um, And God sends an angel to oppose Balaam. Actually, Scriptures say that God sent an angel as an adversary to, to, to Balaam. And the angel stood in Balaam's way with a sword. Only, only Balaam can't see the angel. Only the donkey can see the angel. And, and the donkey, when he sees the angel, or she, I don't know if it's a he or a she. You can look at the pronoun in the story. Um, say it's a she. Um, When she sees the angel, she stops. (laughs) Doesn't go any further. Balaam beats the donkey. You might remember that if you've heard this story before. Balaam beats the donkey. This happens three times. The, the, The donkey resisting going forward and veers off the path or runs into a wall to avoid this angel with a sword. This is just a kind of a funny story. And, and Balaam keeps beating his donkey. In verse 28, you got your Bible open, look at verse 28. Verse 28 says that the Lord opened the donkey's mouth. And the donkey starts speaking to Balaam. Why do you keep beating me, Balaam? And then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes so he could see the angels. So I want to pick up in the story. Verse 32, I'm going to read verses 32 through 34 and read this interaction between Balaam and uh, the angel. Starting in uh, verse 32. Now the angel of the Lord asked Balaam, why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. It's really important, this event happening three times. We'll find out why. 
If it had not turned away, I would have certainly killed you by now, but I would have spared it. (laughs) Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. And that gives you a little insight into Balaam's heart. I mean, Balaam, what do you mean, if God is displeased with you? He's, God, God most certainly is displeased with you and your reckless way, Balaam, because he sent an angel with a sword who was willing to kill you. Obviously, God was displeased. Balaam is still holding on to this hope of a green light from God because of the reward he knew that he would get from King Balak for cursing Israel. The angel tells Balaam what God told him last. Go, but only speak what God tells you. Let me get to the the long conclusion of this fascinating story. Balaam meets Balak the king. Balak takes Balaam to a very high place where he could overlook the Israelites and pronounce a curse. Looking around chapter 23, verse 5, says that the Lord put a word in Balaam's mouth. So Moses is recording this story. He's telling this story to the Israelites. And Moses wants to be very clear that this is a word from the Lord that is coming through Balaam. It is God who is talking. And here's what Balaam says. Verse 7. Balak brought me from Aram, the king of Moab, from the eastern mountains. Come, he said, curse Jacob, curse Israel for me. Denounce Israel. How can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? From the rocky peaks I see them. From the heights I view them. I see a people who live apart and do not consider themselves one of the nations. So they're they're a separate people, a distinct, a different people. Verse 10, who can count the dust of Jacob or even a fourth of Israel? And this is a reminder of God's promise to Abraham back in Genesis when God says to Abraham, I will bless you and I will make your offspring as numerous as the dust of the earth. If you could count all the dust of the earth, that would be the number of Israelites. You will have so many descendants, Abraham. So the picture is that of God's people spreading out and filling the world as as the, the, the wind just kind of blows the dust everywhere. Now, when Balak heard this, he wasn't very pleased. He said, let's try this again. He took Balaam to another location. Maybe that would make a difference. Remember, in that polytheistic world, there were territorial gods. There would be a region where a god would be, might be particularly powerful. So, if Balak took Balaam to another location, maybe that god's strength wouldn't be as strong. Balak was reasonable. This happens Three times. Three times Balak takes Balaam to curse the Israelites, and Balaam instead returns with a blessing. Three times the angel was ready to strike down Balaam. 
and the donkey swerved to save Balaam. Three times Balaam was ready to curse the Israelites, but God put a different word in his mouth. And then we get to, I believe, why this strange story is in the Bible. Um, why did God care whether or not Balaam uttered a curse or uttered a blessing? God is free to do whatever God wants to do. Why, why did God care? Why did God at first say no and then yes to Balaam's request to go with King Balaam, only to oppose him along the way? Why, why this strange story? Why did God put words in his donkey's mouth? Speak through a donkey. You see, God wanted to make an emphatic point to the Israelites. When Moses told this story to the Israelites, and it would be shared for generation after generation with the nation of Israel, Moses wanted the Israelites to know they could always count on something. Let me give you the first reason why we can believe in God's blessings. At least as stated from the story. God uses anyone and anything to accomplish His purposes of blessing. That is how committed God is. He will use anyone and anything. This is why we have this story. This is why God is speaking through a donkey. This is why God uses this foreign sorcerer and this pagan king. And He allows the details to unfold in this crazy change of direction story. God wants us to know He will use anyone and anything to accomplish his purpose of blessing. It's not Balaam that's in charge. It's not Balak that's in charge. God is in complete control and he uses anyone that he desires. Let's look at the next reason. I want to look at something Balaam says uh, the third time that he blesses the Israelites instead of cursing them. So look at chapter 24, verses 5 and 7. Listen to this blessing that, that Balaam gives. He says, how beautiful are your tents, Jacob? Remember, Balak is expecting a curse to come out, or at least hoping a curse to come out. Instead, this blessing comes out from Balaam. How beautiful are your tents, Jacob? How beautiful your dwelling places, Israel. Like valleys they spread out, like gardens beside a river. And you can write that down in your notes here, underline in your Bible. Like gardens beside a river, like like aloes planted by the Lord, like cedars beside the waters. Water will flow from their buckets. Their seed will have abundant water. This beautiful, flourishing image in this blessing. But notice that gardens beside a river. In our Bible in a Year series so far, we have read about a garden beside a river, and that's the Garden of Eden. The blessing is that Israel would be like the Garden of Eden. If you remember, as we talked about, God's plan for the garden and God's intent for the human beings that he put in the garden would be that the garden would grow. The human beings would cultivate the garden and help the garden to spread and fill the, fill the earth so that people, as, as the planet got populated, they could enjoy the blessings of the Lord. And don't you see, Balaam is pronouncing this blessing of God on Israel so that they could be like the Garden of Eden help cultivate God's beauty, presence for all the nations around them. And God blesses us in the same way for the same reason so that we can be like a Garden of Eden for those around us. So 
Second reason that we can be confident of God's blessings, God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. The Israelites were to be like the dust, the wind blowing the dust everywhere. That's supposed to be us. The wind blowing us like dust everywhere so that we can cultivate God's goodness. Like a garden, like the Garden of Eden in our community neighborhoods. We are to spread out everywhere and show others the goodness of God. And now the third reason I think the story says that you can believe in God's blessings. Think of the Israelites. They're on the brink of disaster <laughs> through their rebellion, their rebellious ways as they journey to the promised land. Now they can see the promised land. What is God going to do? You wonder, is God going to say, yeah, enough is enough for these people? And, and here there is a, a hired sorcerer that can pronounce a curse on Israel at this moment. And if there ever was an opportunity for God to say, yeah, this is it for the Israelites. Look, I even have this this sorcerer at my disposal to, to put an end to them. Um, now's the time. But three different times, God says, no, I'm going to bless my people. I think the third reason the story says we can believe in God's blessings is this. Simply, God sovereignly has decided that he is pleased to bless his people. And don't you think that would have been an important message for the Israelites to understand as they went into the promised land? Because they knew, boy, we haven't deserved this. We just kind of messed things up along the way. As we go into this promised land, look at these, look at these inhabitants that are there. They're, they're bigger than we are. We're going to be going up against these other nations in here. Boy, how can we be confident that God's going to go with us? And Moses has this story for them. God, how can they be sure of God's blessings? Because God has sovereignly decided it pleases me to bless my people. Not because of their obedience, not because they're, they're being so faithful. No, God has just decided it pleases me to bless my people. So I want to suggest a couple of things, a couple of takeaways, I think, from the story. Um, and we happen to see these two things throughout the rest of the Bible, by the way. And one is this, keep believing in God's blessings. Um, keep believing in God's blessings. Because there are plenty of things today that may make you wonder and wonder about God's blessings. Some conditions that we're going through today. Some worrisome things. Tough economy. Extreme heat. We've, we've been fortunate to have some, some rain around here, but lots of places that have significant drought. Instability overseas. And there's some things that can make us feel well, I don't know how secure I feel. This story tells us, keep believing in God's blessings. You do not need to worry that anything will happen that God does not want to happen because He shows Himself 
to be completely in control in this story. And God reveals to us it is His pleasure to bless His people. And God will let nothing get in His way of doing that. And He will use anything and everything to deliver that blessing. Just as the Apostle Paul wrote Romans chapter 8, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Poor economy, crazy weather, none of that stuff will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. God will use everything for our good. Look at what the, Let me give you one more thing that Moses reminds the Israelites of. His beautiful statement in Deuteronomy chapter 23 to remind them why they could trust in God's blessings. Deuteronomy 23 verse 5. However, the Lord your God will not listen to Balaam, but turned the curse into a blessing for you. Why? Because the Lord your God loves you. Why can we be confident in God's blessing? He will turn curses into blessings. Why? Friends, it's not because of anything in us. It's because of what's in God's heart. God loves you. God loves you. He will use what you might call a curse and turn it into a blessing. And the second thing I think we can take away from this is, is this. No God uses you for a higher purpose. God blesses the Israelites so that they can be a blessing to the nations around them. There's one more blessing to report from, from Balaam near the end of chapter 24, verse 17. Here's the prophecy Balaam utters to King Balak about the Israelites. Balaam says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. Something, someone in the future, right? A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. A star will come. You think about that star that led the, the Magi to, to Christ. Out of Israel will come a star. That's why God blesses Israel. That's why He never gave up on them, not just for their sake, but for the sake of the world, because God would bring Jesus Christ our Savior through the Israelite people. And God uses you for a higher purpose. Know that there's a, a similar opportunity for us today to be used by God to make known Jesus Christ to the world. When you leave today, know that you have a mission, and it is to share Christ be the love of Christ, be the presence of Christ, Christ to the lost, Christ to the hurting, Christ to the lonely. We're sitting in our, our men's, every, every month we have a men's breakfast. You didn't know that. Third Sunday of every month, men, we have breakfast. Sitting around and having a Bible study, talking about the power of, of the community, of, of Christian community, of rallying around one another, is being Christ for one another. And how without that community, people are living in fear, anxiety, and worry, and loneliness. 
And God says, I will, I will give to this word, this world, Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ makes himself present in Christ's community, the church, the body of Christ. We have the ability to show Christ to the community. God has blessed you, and he will keep on blessing you so that you can be a blessing to others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this story. We know it's part of our story. This is our bigger storyline, to be your people, to be confident that you are with us, and to know that you offer us something much greater for our lives, not to live for ourselves, but to live for you, the one who has given Jesus Christ to us so that we can then show Christ to the world around us. Lord, thank you that you never change, that your love is always constant, that these promises that we read about the Israelite people thousands of years ago, that they are true for us. And no matter what we are facing, Lord, help us to face that with the same conviction that you are determined, that you are faithful to be our God and to take care of your people. We pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.